So today we're going to get into this. So at the end of this series, this whole series we've been talking about, the title's been Culture Shock. And the idea is there's a lot of things biblically, like if we, if we um, I know it's strange to, to be a biblical Christian, but um, if you look at the Bible, right, if you, if you take what you believe from God's word and not from the people around you, not from grandma, um, not from a cup that you found at the thrift store, right, if you take what you believe out of God's word, um, there's a lot of stuff that Jesus teaches and a lot of his lifestyle that is very shocking, not only to the culture that we live in, but sometimes even to our church culture that we've come up in, right? And so today's message is going to be about generosity. And I joked earlier with the, with the worship team, I said, I think it's funny that we're doing uh, a message on generosity the week before Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Um, I planned it out just like that. Uh, no, the, actually, that brings me my first. My first thing I want to tell you is generosity, honestly, has nothing to do with money. Generosity has nothing to do with money. And you need to understand that because there's going to be a point in your life where you're going to want to be generous, where you're going to need to operate in generosity. And it's not going to have anything to do with money. And you're going to be thankful because there's times in our lives when we have no money, but we need to be generous. And so you got to know that generosity is different than money. And so right off the bat, before we get into the whole message today, you need to know that, that generosity has nothing to do with money. As a matter of fact, generosity is an attitude or a character trait that produces generous actions in our lives, right? Having a generous heart produces generous actions. And so it's important that you see that. You need to see today that generosity is something, uh, it's giving, but it's not just giving money. Generosity is giving of my time, my talents, and my treasures. Like there's all kinds of things I can be generous with. Um, I, I, I can be generous as a pastor, as a preacher. I can be generous with the platform. I can let other people preach. I can share that responsibility because it's fun for other people to do that. That is, that can be considered generosity. Generosity, maybe spending time with somebody. Uh, generosity could be a variety of things. So we need to understand that before we get into it. And, and today we're going to take everything. Uh, we're going to basically go through Matthew chapter 14, um, starting in verse 13. And we're going to run through some of Matthew 14. So um, if you've got your Bibles, or you've got your phones today. Now I'm reading today out of the English Standard Version. So if you've got your phone, let me just, every so often I think I need to refresh us. So um, I need to put it up here one day. But there's an app on your phone called the Bible app. It's made by version, not you. Um, Y-O-U version. So if you're, if you're looking in your app store, if you've got an iPhone or whatever, I don't, are there other phones besides iPhones? Um, the kind that don't get group text messages, whatever those phones are. Um, so if you're looking through your phone and you're trying to figure out what app we use here, the Bible app. And so a lot of us use that. And so whenever you go to your Bible app, it's really cool. You can click on what version of the Bible you're using and you can change it. So the one we I'm using today mostly is the English standard version. It's the ESV. And so if you want to go to Matthew chapter 14, um, you can find it right there, ESV. And, um, and one thing I love about the Bible app, just I know I'm giving a little promo here, but one thing I love about the Bible app, you can click on a verse and highlight it. You can also click on a verse and, and add a note to that verse. So you can go back later and, and you can have typed in a note about that verse. So whenever you're reading through Matthew 14 today, as I'm going through this, if one of the verses stands out to you and God speaks to you during that verse, you can tap on it, type yourself a note within the app itself, and it'll save that. And I just think that's pretty neat. 
Um, so we're going to look at Matthew 14. Now, Maddie, I didn't put the whole, I broke the chapter up. So don't even click through the slides right now. Just wait. Let me read it to you and then we'll go through it verse by verse. So Matthew 14, it says this. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When they went, when he went to shore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Then they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. Verse 19. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and take the five loaves and two fish. And he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. So, so in other words, when it says five thousand men besides women and children, some scholars feel like there was probably upwards of twenty thousand people there to see and hear what Jesus had to say. And so whenever he fed them with the five loaves and the two fish, he, he was able to feed 20,000 people. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? Oscar, what kind of bottom line would you have at the restaurant if you could feed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish? I mean, you'd be making all kinds of money. Um, and, and so it's important for us to, to see that today. I need you to get a, a scope. So what I want to do now is we're going to just go through verse by verse. We're going to go back through those verses. We're going to go verse by verse, starting in verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. When the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. You need to know the backstory. What did Jesus hear? Jesus had just heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been murdered. So our family, the the Wrights and the Guy family and the Hickey family, we're all connected. And and we're all, um, over the last couple of weeks, you've heard this a lot, but going through this whole grieving process with uh, my father-in-law passing away. And this is, it's a grieving process. Jesus shows us a little bit of his humanity here. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the divinity of Christ, which is important to know that we forget the humanity of Christ. We see the miracles, but we forget the grief. So Jesus is grieving. He just lost his cousin. He just lost one of his best friends who was murdered. And Jesus is grieving and he's trying his hardest to get away from everybody. Right? He's like, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go pray somewhere. I'm going to go spend some time on a mountain. I'm going to go isolate myself for a little bit because this is what I need to do to get through this grieving process. But the problem is people. How many of you know people can sometimes be a problem? If you don't believe that, you're probably the people that you're somebody's problem. No, I'm just kidding. Golly, that was mean. And I'm sorry. Not really. I mean, I'm going to say mean stuff sometimes. So um, so the the people show up and and they're following Jesus around. So in verse 14, it says, and he went ashore and saw a great crowd. Again, 20,000 people saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So the first thing we see is that Jesus is grieving. And and let me just throw this side note in here. This isn't in in the notes, but generosity, generosity, a a generous heart. I I don't want to sound mean to say it doesn't care, but, but generosity doesn't care that we're grieving. See, the calling of God is on our life. Obedience to Christ is on our life. 
whether we're grieving or not. Whether we're happy or sad. I love what Pastor Jonathan shared today. That it's easy to worship God when everything's going good. But it cost me something to worship God when things are going bad. And that's something that we need to notice in this passage. Is that Jesus is grieving. He's going through a hard time. But he recognizes the fact that ministry needs to be done. And he says, my grief can wait. I'll pick it back up later. And he does. He does. If We're not going to get to that part of the story today. But he does pick it back up later. But in that moment, he says, there's a job that needs to be done right here. And it says that he, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. This is our first point today, is that generosity is motivated by love. Generosity is motivated by love. Um, th- there's a verse in the Bible, it said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it, it says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Can I tell you something? Um, Jesus had compassion, not coercion, right? He wasn't coerced into loving these people. He wasn't coerced into blessing these people. He wasn't coerced in, into, into being generous with these people. He had compassion on them. And, and true generosity is moved by compassion, not by compulsion. That, that's one of the things I, I don't like whenever... Um, Whenever you hear uh, preachers that are very much into the um, prosperity gospel or people, uh, I feel like a lot of preachers on TV sometimes, and they get up and they try to um, make you feel bad for not giving. Or they try to uh, coerce you into giving. Like if you give, then then you're going to get this great thing and you're going to, God's going to give you a BMW. And it's like, no, that doesn't. That doesn't, I've never had a BMW in my life, and I've given lots of things, right? Um, that's, that's not always true. It's important to understand that, that when I give, it should be based out of a heart of love and compassion. And, and listen, that heart of love and compassion is not just for my fellow man. Jesus said the greatest commandment is that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbors ourselves. So there's two areas of love and compassion that I give from, I give because I love God most of all. And I know God is generous. I also give because I love people. And and so those are two areas of compassion that, that whenever I'm generous, I need to be generous out of a heart of love, not because I feel bad. How many of you ever give, whether it's money or time or talent Maybe you don't want to raise your hand. I'm, I'm acting like you're going to raise your hand. And everybody's like, uh, no, 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 I don't know. Um, how many of you ever, think about this. How many of you know someone? Let's do it like this. How many of you know someone, even if it's you? How many of you know someone that gives all the time because they feel bad? Right? Yes, yes. We all know somebody that does that. I feel bad, so I'm going to do this thing. That is the wrong motivation for giving, folks. And as a matter of fact... If you're giving something to me because you feel bad, that makes me feel bad. And now we both feel bad. And I'm pretty sure Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver. You should have a plan to give because you love somebody or you love Jesus, not because you feel bad. If you feel bad, it may be better that you not give at all until you can get your mind right and get your heart right and figure out why you're giving and what you're giving. Amen? No one, no one liked that point. I guess we got a lot of feel-bad givers in here. Well, let me tell you something. Do not give. Do not give. Next week is pastor appreciation. Don't give me one thing because you feel bad. I know. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. 
You are going to preach next month. I'm taking back that generosity. Matthew chapter 14, verse 15. Let's look at the next one. It says this. Now when it was... And listen, that that was very presumptuous of me to act like you're going to give me something. You don't have to give me anything. I am happy with a little note, handwritten note, saying why you love church. Um, You do not have to go out and buy cards every year. This is total side note. Every year for pastor appreciation. Nathan, you probably know what I'm about to say. Um, Jonathan does too. Every year for pastor appreciation, people go out and they buy pastor appreciation cards at Hallmark. I didn't know they made those until I became a pastor. I never gave one. Um, still, yeah, it's bad, right? I've never given one. I don't, honestly, and some of you may already have your pastor appreciation card, and if you do, give it next week. I'm not going to stop you. But honestly, I would rather you just write me a note. Send me an email or a text message. Pastor Jonathan would like the same thing. Pastor Nathan, my dad, any of the past, anybody here, we would love to have a little handwritten note or something like that saying, hey, this is why we love the church or whatever, huh? My dad wants a card. My dad needs to go work in the nursery. (laughs) Matthew 14, verse 15. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away and to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Our next point is this. Generosity is always in conflict with selfishness. Generosity is always in conflict with selfishness. We are by nature selfish. All of us. Listen, we got some babies in the room today. We got a, 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 a buttload of babies being born. And somebody might think buttload is a bad word, but butt is an actual measurement of a barrel. There are different measurements of barrels, and butt is one of those measurements. So I just freed everybody up in here. So you can say buttload all you want, and it's not bad. Kids, say it. I mean, y'all say buttload as much as you want. It's fine. So, so we're going to have to keep going here. So there's all these babies being born. All these babies being born. Oh, we got lots of babies. Listen, we won't have to teach those babies to be selfish. One of the first words a baby learns is mine, right? Babies, kids, we're selfish. Humans, we are all selfish people. At the end of the day, selfishness is part of our nature. And we get selfishness from the very first sin. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So in Genesis 3, God has already told Adam and Eve, don't eat from this certain tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what happens? Eve goes and hangs around the tree. Isn't that what we do a lot of times when it comes to temptation? We say, devil, the devil's tempting me. No, 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 no. The devil's not tempting you if you're not supposed to be watching this TV and you hang out around the TV. The devil does, you're not making the devil work very hard for your sin, right? She should have just stayed away from the tree. But she didn't. She's hanging around the tree. The devil shows up. The devil begins to talk to her. And here's what the woman says, verse 6. It says, so when the woman saw that the... Uh, I just think it's funny, like she's Eve everywhere in the Bible until she's doing wrong. And then God calls her the woman, right? (laughs) When my wife is doing something wrong, I'm like, woman, you better get in here. So, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, this sermon is going off the rails fast. (laughs) Listen to this. Listen to this. Stop laughing at my jokes. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree, was a, uh, the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. 
What happened? A desire rose up inside of this woman. A desire, right? She was selfish. She cared more about what she wanted than she cared about what God wanted. Sometimes we look at that and we say, well, pride is the original sin. Well, selfishness and pride go hand in hand. It's all about caring about myself before I care about what God wants. So selfishness was in us from the beginning. It's the first sin, right? It's the first sin that gets in. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus says right from the beginning, if you want to be a Christ follower, you have to be willing to deny yourself, to kill self. So, so selfishness and generosity are always in conflict with each other. And we see the selfishness in the disciples. Notice that the disciples, they know Jesus. They know what's about to happen, right? They know that if he doesn't send these people away, they're going to have to work more. They're going to have to stay at church longer. They're going to have to clean up all the chairs and the, and the tables after the baby shower, right? They know what's happening. And so the disciples are like, hey, let's not do the baby shower here. Let's do the baby shower somewhere else, right? Maybe this is a conversation I heard Jonathan and Anna having. It's this idea that they don't want to do all the extra work, so they're trying to send the crowd away. And, and that's selfishness. That's selfishness. Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 25, he, he called the disciples to himself and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, in other words, the, the culture that we live in today, the unbelieving culture that we live in, the rulers lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. They're all selfish Verse 26, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says right off the bat, if you want to be a Christ follower, you have to be willing to be generous. You've got to be willing to kill self in order to be generous. Then he says, if you want to live in this culture... You can't be like the culture. You've got to be different. You've got to be willing to serve other people. Why? Because I came to give, not receive. And so he's changing the culture there. In verse 16, Jesus says this. So he says this. He says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. I thought that was interesting when I read this. I thought it was interesting that Jesus doesn't say, I'll feed them, guys. Don't worry. I'm God. I got this under control. Jesus looks at the disciples and I'm like, no, 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 this is your job. You go feed them. You want to kick them out? You go do the work. What's he doing? He's trying to combat their selfishness with his generosity. And he's saying, you guys are going to serve. Why? Because I see selfishness in you. So let's work that selfishness out by serving. Let's work that selfishness out by giving. He says, you give them something to eat. So we need to understand that the next point is generosity is a responsibility for every Christ follower. It's a responsibility for us. It should be part of who we are as Christ followers. We should be generous. When the world looks at us, they shouldn't say, those Christians, they're, 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 they're all stingy. One of the worst raps we get as Christians is they say the worst tips in restaurants on Sunday afternoons after church. I've seen people post, I've seen waiters and waitresses post on social media their, their receipts where, where someone would write a tip in there and the tip would be follow Jesus and wouldn't leave them a single dollar. What do they think about us as Christ followers? 
See, that's a, that's a problem. <laughs> we think we're jerks. But generosity is a responsibility. Generosity should be part of who we are. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, it says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Listen, if you go out to eat after church today and you leave a terrible tip, first of all, you need to tell somebody you go to First Baptist. <laughs> second of all, second of all, you're wrong for that. You leave a good tip. Why? Because, because I leave a good tip because it pleases God. Gabriel, it doesn't please God for me to leave a tip to this waiter or waitress. I don't even know what they're going to do with the money. No, 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 no. It's not about them. It's about him. And I please God whenever I give. When I'm generous, I'm pleasing to him. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 says, Teach. That word teach there means not only to teach, but to charge or to command, right? So this is an emphasis. This is strong language that Paul's telling Timothy, who is a pastor. He's saying, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them that to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. We should be generous, always ready to share, always ready to give, always ready to help. That should be part of our nature and our responsibility. The next one is verse 17. It says, and he said to them, or they said to him, talking to Jesus, we have only five loaves here and two fish. So our next point is that generosity gives from only have, not from surplus. Now, I know that's not real English. I get it. But generosity, uh, what I put it in the notes on the screen, is, is sourced from the only have, not the surplus. He asked the disciples, what do you have? They said, we only have. Listen, the best giving comes from the only have. The best giving comes from the only have, not from, well, I got a lot of extra, Right? There's another another phrase you could say is that the best giving generosity, it comes from our first fruits, not our leftovers. If we run back to Genesis real quick, first book in the Bible, um, the, the Bible says this in, in well, let, let's start in, in chapter in Mark chapter 12. Let's look at Mark 12 first. This is what Jesus said. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Isn't that crazy? It would be like Jesus sitting back there at the kiosk. And every time you go to put in your offering, he's just kind of looking over your shoulder. Like, how would you feel? You know, like, okay, an extra zero. Okay. One, one, one more zero. Okay. You know, like I would feel so bad if Jesus is doing that. But he's sitting there watching people put their money in. And he says, many rich people put in large amounts of money. Then a poor widow came in verse 42 and she dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, gave, has given everything she had to live on. It's easy to give the surplus. It's hard to give the only half. But we've got to learn how to give the only half. Genesis, if we run back to Genesis 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, these are the, the children of Adam and Eve. The children of Adam and Eve. Now, I want you to notice how that seed of selfishness has moved from Adam and Eve down into their kids. You're going to notice it here in Cain. So, so it, it says this, when it was time for harvest, so the Bible says that Cain was a gardener 
and Abel, the two sons, Abel was a, uh, a rancher, right? So Abel had animals, Cain had, had fruits and vegetables. And so they were going to give to God. And it says when time of harvest came, Cain presented some, some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. What did he bring? The best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why? Because our best generosity, generosity comes from our first fruits. Generosity comes from our best. Generosity comes from our only halves. It doesn't come from our leftover and our sum. Everybody hears the phone. It's like nobody wants to answer it. You can go ahead and answer it. It's okay. It's good. Let's go to the next one. The next one is this. Matthew 8, 14, 18 says, He said to them, bring them here to me. So he says, what do you have? We only have. We only have a little bit. He says, all right, bring your only have to me. Generosity is to Christ first. Listen, when I give, no matter who I'm giving to, I'm always giving to the Lord. No matter who I'm giving to, I'm always giving to the Lord. Here's, here's going to help you a little bit. There are times you're going to walk past a homeless person. Homeless people get the, get the rap on this one. When you walk past a homeless person, you're going to see that homeless person and you're going to think, I need to give this person some money. But if I give them money, they're going to go do what with it? Nobody knows. They're going to buy drugs. That's the big one. Yeah, they're going to buy drugs. They're going to buy beer. They're going to do something bad, right? Like, like if I give this homeless person money, they're going to go do something bad with that money. Listen, this freed me up whenever I was, whenever I was younger and, and needing to give to people or, or help someone out. Is First of all, I listened for God to speak to me. I don't know that God wants you to give money to every single person you see. I don't know that God wants you to do things for every single person you see, right? Why? Because God may be working on them. He may be teaching them a lesson. There may be something else going on. But as soon as God speaks to me to give someone something, if I think, oh, well, they're going to just go spend this on something terrible, then I'll never do it. So instead, I have to think, I'm not giving this money to them. I'm giving this money to him. I'm acting out of obedience. I'm giving it to God first. As a matter of fact, the same is true with our talents and our gifts. One of the reasons that we have core teams here and the reasons we we have people on stage and people working with kids and people being door greeters is because we believe that the first place we give our talents is to the Lord. We believe that's the first place we give our talents. And then God will use us in other places. But the first place I give my talent and my ability is to God. I want him to have everything that I've got. Verse 19 says this, And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. So our next point is this, and we're almost done actually, is generosity is blessed. Generosity is blessed. In Malachi chapter, chapter 3, this is a popular chapter when it comes to, um, when, when it comes to giving. A lot, of, a lot of pastors use this chapter of Malachi chapter 3, because in this chapter, God is saying, hey, you guys are wrong. Like, he says, you guys, the church, y'all are, y'all are pretty messed up. He says, y'all haven't been just. You haven't helped the widows and the orphans. You, 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 you've, you've, um, you've been criminal. You know, you, you've never helped people. You're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing. And, and, and then God goes on to say this in, in verse 8. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithes and in contributions. 
Look at what he says in verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Uh, it's, it's important for you to see that God views a lack of generosity as robbing him. And God says a lack of generosity, selfishness will be cursed. But, verse 10 says, bring the full tithe into the whore, uh, storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. If selfishness is cursed, generosity is blessed. And when I'm generous, God blesses that generosity. How much does he bless me? He blesses me until there's no more need. That's a pretty good blessing. I used to do this illustration one time and I had two donuts and, um, and, and on those donuts, I cut out 10% of one of those donuts and the other donut I left completely whole. And I asked someone, I was like, hey, which donut would you want? And they were like, I obviously want the whole donut, the 100% donut, not the 90% donut. And then I took the 100% donut and I just licked it. And I said, now which one do you want? Right? And they were like, I, I definitely want the 90% donut. Like, I want the one that's less that hadn't been licked on. Right? That's the one I want. And, and that's true. I would rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. I would rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. And so, uh, Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, and to make more room for you. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. There's a quick story, and then I've got two more points. But my quick story is this. And, and some of you guys that have been with me for a long time, you know this story. But when I was... Younger and Perry and I were dating and and I knew I wanted to marry her. I knew I wanted to marry Perry like date one. Like I knew I wanted to marry her. And um, and, and so uh, in that process of us dating, I wanted to get her a ring. But at the time I was a youth pastor and I was making about, I don't know, like $20,000 a year. And it doesn't matter what year you're in. That's not a lot of money, right? Like like 1895, it's still not a lot of money. And so, um, and so I didn't have a lot of money and, uh, I had bought a trailer with pink carpet and, and, um, and flowers on the wall. And so, but it was, I could afford it. And so I had, I'm living in my trailer and I don't have a lot of money. And I remember I didn't even have, um, I had a, I had enough money to buy a dryer. I, no, no, a washer. I had enough money to buy a washer, but I lived on the same property as my parents, so I'd wash my clothes, and then I would put them in a, in a, a basket wet, and I would drive over to my parents' house and put them in the dryer because I just didn't have a lot of money. And so I'm sitting there, and I knew I needed to get her a ring, and, and I knew rings cost a lot of money, and I didn't have it, and, and so I was saving up, I was saving up my money. And, and a, a, a guy came in, we had a special service one night, and, and whenever he did, it was actually on my birthday. And so it's, it's my birthday, and, and we're at church, of all places to be. And so I'm at church on my birthday, and this guy's preaching. And, and whenever it was over, I felt compelled by God to give this guy money. And I went to write that check. And it was kind of like that whole Holy Spirit looking over my shoulder. You know, it's like a dollar. And then it was like, move the decimal. You know, so I moved it over, move it again. And again, and after I was done writing the check, it was a $1,000 check. That was my ring money. And I was like, God, I'm trusting you. I feel like you're telling me to do this, but I still got to buy a ring, so you're going to have to figure this out. And so I gave that money into the offering. 
And the guy that was preaching didn't know that, obviously. And so we went out to, um, we went with him to go to the airport, take him to the airport to drop him off. And it was mentioned in there that it was my birthday and that Perry was my girlfriend. And he said, oh, well, here, take her out to eat somewhere nice. And he handed me a $100 bill. And I was like, man, right off the bat, I got 10% of my money back. Like, that was, that was pretty awesome. Like, God, you move fast. You know, like, you didn't do the whole running over thing, but you got it started. You know, you got it started. And so that was pretty cool. And, um, and not long after that, someone heard that I only had a washer and didn't have a dryer. And so they showed up at church one Sunday and they said, hey, we've got a dryer in the back of our vehicle. We went to Lowe's. We bought the dryer. We didn't know what washer you had. We just bought a dryer. Turns out it was the exact match to my washer that I had. And so now I've got $100, because I didn't take her out to eat. I kept it. And um, <laughs> it's going towards the ring, right? Duh. So I've got $100, and now I've got a dryer. And, and so then uh, a lady comes up to me at church one day, and she says, Listen, I've got this old jewelry that, um, from a, a, a previous relationship, this thing. And, and she said, um, It's a ring, and it's a, an engagement ring. It's a diamond engagement ring. And she said, I've been holding on to it and didn't know what to do with it. And she said, I felt like God told me to give it to you. She said, I don't know if you and Perry are even serious or not. She said, but one day you might need this. And so she gave me a diamond ring. And I quickly took the diamond out of the ring because I was like, this ring part is cursed. The diamond is not, you know, <laughs> that relationship didn't work. This diamond is forever. And so, um, so, so then um, I, I met with this woman. Uh, somehow I got connected to this woman that was um, a, a jewelry person. And so I sat down to talk to her and I said, listen, all I've got is this diamond. And then my mom had some old jewelry with little bitty diamonds. And I said, I'll take those too. I'll take whatever I can get. And so my mom gives me a bunch of little bitty diamonds. This lady gives me a bigger diamond. And I go to this woman and I said, Hey, I've got these diamonds and I want a ring. Can you help me? And she was into like custom rings and all that kind of stuff. And she said, um, she said, do you remember me? And I was like, I, obviously, I don't remember you. And she said, you played baseball with my son. Now, I was a terrible baseball player. I was horrible. I was the bench guy. I was the one that made everybody laugh on the team whenever we were doing bad. But that was me. And she said, and my son talked so fondly about you and just thought you were the greatest kid. She said, I tell you what, I'll cut you a deal. Um, you know, I'll, do, I'll give it to you, all this stuff, at my cost. I won't make anything off of this, and I'll get your rings made. And I was like, wow, that's so awesome. Thank you. So I got the rings. And whenever I got the rings back, um, her, in, her wedding ring has a little channel in it where all those little bitty diamonds from my mom went into that little channel. And she came back and she said, Gabriel, you were actually one diamond short to fit in the channel. But I just, I just gave you that diamond. I just bought it myself and gave it to you. So now I've got a dryer, $100 that I haven't really had to spend yet. I got this woman give me rings at cost. I've got diamonds that I didn't pay anything for. And then we get engaged, and one of our friends had, a, um, had a, a furniture store, and he said, hey, you guys are getting engaged. How about if I buy you a living room suit and just give it to you? And I said, sure. You know, yeah. At this point, obviously, that's got to happen. And so then I got furniture. I, I just want to say this. I wrote a $1,000 check out of my only have. I'm not asking anybody to give money today. Please understand me. That's not what we're asking for here. We don't do that. I wrote a $1,000 check out of my only half. I gave it to God, not to the man. I could care less about the man. I gave because God told me to give. And look what God did in return. 
overflowing. All right, let's get to the last, last verse. Matthew 14, 20 uh, and 21. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Here's your last point for the day. Generosity is a cycle. Generosity is a cycle. Genesis 12, 2 says this, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and you make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Generosity is a cycle. When I'm generous, when I'm blessed, right, God makes me, God blesses me when I bless other people. He blesses me so that I can bless other people, and so he blesses me so that I can bless other people. You see how that just keeps working? Every time I bless someone else, I get blessed so that I can bless someone else. Generosity is a cycle that we get ourselves in, and it's a great cycle to get in. It's a great cycle to be in. And, and, and here's the thing. The disciples blessed the people. It says the people ate until they were full. We've had, you, you people have done a great job. Between the church and the gym, people bringing us food to our house. We've had three different lasagnas show up at our house, I think. My favorite food is lasagna. The other day I ate lasagna for dinner and then I turned around and ate lasagna for lunch. And then I went to the gym and almost threw lasagna up all over the floor. <laughs> Lots of lasagna. You guys have given us so much food. And listen, I have eaten until I was full because I didn't want to. I wanted to honor your giving, right? Of course. And so I eat until I'm full. These people ate until they were full, and there were still 12 baskets full of broken pieces. How many disciples were there? 12 of them. Each of them got a basket. Not a doggy bag, a basket. They started out with with just a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of fish between them all, and they come back with 12 baskets full. I just want you to see it's a cycle. When I give, I receive so that I can give again. And it's a cycle. I don't give to receive and just hold on to. I give to receive so that I can give again. And giving is a cycle. This is where we're going to end today. Last verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You need to understand today, generosity is a characteristic of God. Generosity is a characteristic of God. And not only does he give, he gives his best. It says he gave his only son. God doesn't give us leftovers. He didn't give us an angel, right? He didn't give us just some dude on the side of the road. God gave his only son. God's generosity is driven by his love for us, not by our good works. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And here's the last point about God is his generosity must be received. His generosity must be received. Someone told Perry the other day, they said, listen, with all this going on in your family, they said, people are going to want to give you food. They're going to want to, you know, do stuff for you. And they said, you're going to want to say no. Like at some point, you're going to want to say, look, we've got enough. We don't need anything. Give it to someone else that needs something. And they said, listen, you need to just learn how to receive the generosity of others. We need to learn how to receive the generosity of God. And the greatest gift he's ever given us is Jesus Christ. The greatest gift he could ever give us is Jesus Christ. And not only do we receive him, but then we give back. You know what we give back? We give back ourselves. 
because giving is a cycle. Generosity is a cycle. And so he gives me his son, and I give him my life. Why don't you stand up with me today? In Romans, Paul understood this thought. And here's what, Romans, what Paul said in Romans 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. What has He done for us? He sent His Son while we were still sinners. He didn't wait on us to get right. He didn't wait on us to clean ourselves up. He didn't wait on us to get out of the pig pen. No, He sent His Son into the pig pen. He sent His Son into the mess to be a blessing to us. So for all He's done, give your bodies to God because of all He's done. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is, the tr- this is truly the way to worship Him. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy culture. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. We need God to change the way we think. Sometimes we think very selfish. We think very selfish. When Perry and I first got married, someone gave us some towels as they typically do. That's like the thing to do to give people when they get married is towels. And we had these brand new, nice towels. And our first argument when we got married was where to put the towels because obviously I want the big, nice towels in my bathroom so I can use them. And Perry said, no, we got to put them in the guest bathroom so that whenever guests come over to our single wide two bedroom trailer, not one guest came over to our single wide two bedroom trailer to take a shower. The guests can use these to take a shower. And I was like, no, all I've got is these ratty old towels with holes in them. I don't want these. I want those. And, And that was our first argument. Why? I was probably being a little selfish. She was obviously being a little crazy, but I was being selfish. God has to change our mind. He gave us his son. We give him our life. Now listen, there's some of you today, you may not be serving Jesus. Some of you may not be living for him. Some of you may not have allowed him to change your life, to change your mind, to transform you. Right? You're still living for yourself. You're still making every decision on your own. You're still walking according to your desire, not according to the Spirit of God. And God's saying, I gave you my son. Even in your selfishness, I'm giving you my son. But you've got to be willing to accept him. You've got to be willing to give me your life back. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Then you can follow me. Amen. Let's close our eyes for just a second. I've got some prayer team friends. They're going to come down and they want to pray with you about anything you need prayer for today. We want to pray with you. But before we do, I want to pray for you uh, myself. Because there may be some of you today, just like I said, you may say, Gabriel, I'm not serving God today. I'm I'm, I'm really not serving him. I'm I'm not following him. I'm following myself. I'm doing a great job of being selfish spiritually and emotionally, but I'm not serving Jesus Christ. I've not given him my everything. And if that's you today, I want you just to pray. I want you to pray right now where you are. Just pray and begin to ask God to forgive you of your sin. What is my sin? My sin is selfishness. No, Gabriel, you don't understand. My sin is alcoholism or my sin is drug abuse or my sin is pornography or my my, my sin is anger. No, no, no. Your sin is selfishness. 
Your sin is trying to gratify yourself instead of gratifying God. Here's what God wants from you today. He wants you. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your talent. He needs you first and foremost. And when He has you, He'll have everything else. So God, today, if we're not serving you, or maybe even if we are, but we've been holding back, maybe we've been a little selfish. God, today, we just want to proclaim that you've given everything to us. You've given us your very best, and we've given you our leftovers. We gave you a Sunday morning in a little bit of time, but we haven't given you our whole lives. And so today we want to give you everything we've got. So forgive us of our sins. Wash us and cleanse us. Your word says that if you cleanse me, I will be cleansed. In other words, I cannot cleanse myself. It's got to be you. So forgive us of our sins. Wash us of our uncleanness. God, I pray today that you would transform our minds so that we wouldn't be selfish, but we would be generous. Give us a heart that's soft and supple, a heart that is generous towards you and towards your people. So God, today we ask you to come into our lives, transform us and change us. Don't leave us the same. In Jesus' name we pray.